I also just want to take a moment and say that, um, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day, uh, these, these days where we honor these incredibly important and influential people that God's blessing has flown through to our lives, that life has flown into our being through, um, you know, these are, are days of joy for many people. But as, as a pastor and the other leaders of the church, we also recognize that, that for some people these days, they, they don't bring joy. They maybe bring the, the remembrance of a mother who's, who's passed on to be with the Lord, or maybe, a, maybe as a mother your children aren't serving the Lord, or uh, maybe you've had a child who's passed away, or maybe you wanted to have children, but it didn't happen that way, or you're struggling with infertility at this moment. And so the Bible says that we celebrate with those who celebrate. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And so as a church, we rejoice with everybody who's celebrating and rejoicing today. And also as a church, as a church family, we recognize that, that these, these, these days are also difficult days. And we want you to know that we love you too. And that God loves you, which is even more important than that. God loves you. God knows the struggle. He knows what, um, what, why there might be pain on days like today. And we want you to know that we love you, that God loves you, that he sees it, that he sees it. And that your pain and struggle's not, it's not oblivious to God that he sees it. And we're just praying for God's peace and comfort for you today if today is a, a difficult day. And so as a church family, we recognize and acknowledge that life is complex. And that there are days where we have joy and celebration. There are days that are more difficult. And so for a church family this size, it's, it's all of the above today. And so uh, we just want to acknowledge and recognize that. At the end of the service today, uh, one of my best friends in the whole world is here to take pictures of you. David Tehran, a photographer, is going to be making family portraits. And so he's here today. Let's give David a big hand. Glad to have you here, David. And uh, he's a good friend. Um, you don't have, your mom doesn't have to be here to have your picture made today. If she is, great. If she's not, you can still have your picture made. Go out there and smile. Let's celebrate today. You got here somehow. <laughs> so go have your picture made in honor of your mother. You, you, we're still not growing people in test tubes yet that I know about. And so I see you're here today. You had a mom. Go get your, go smile for your mom today. Maybe she's with the Lord today, but go, go have a picture made in honor of her today, and uh, we'll just have a good time celebrating our moms. Okay, um, James chapter 5 is where we are <clears throat> today, and um, James has given us practical advice uh, through this whole book on how we live for God, how to live this Christian life, what it looks like day in and day out. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, the, the, the way that we approach life. And um, he, he teaches us how to live for God. He teaches us how to live like Christ would have us live, to live like Jesus. Now, next week is our last week in James. I don't know. Can you believe it? We're already through another book of the Bible together. And so James is now, he's wrapping up, wrapping up his letter of, Christian advice, and as he concludes his letter, he, he starts to go back to the very first theme that he picked to talk about 
at the very beginning of his letter. And that is this word, patience. Can you say patience? Now, today, I'm not bringing you a, a typical, you know, Mother's Day sermon per se. But what little I do understand about motherhood, I know this to be true. You need a lot of patience. I know that is true. Can I get an amen from the moms out there? You need patience. And so... This isn't a typical Mother's Day message, but we are going to talk today about being patient. And so if you remember James chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 2, James said, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And he says, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, as he concludes, he's going to talk more about patience and how it plays out practically in our lives every single day. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we want to, be your, we want to live as your people on the earth today. We are your people. You've, you've done an incredible work for us to purchase us, to make us yours. But Lord, we want to live as you've called us to live. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. So, Lord, help us through our time in your word to understand what it means to, to be patient, to live with patience, why this is incredibly important to you, and why it should be incredibly important to us, and how you've given us your spirit to empower us to not live in our own strength, but to live in your power each and every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to read this passage. It's uh, six very short verses uh, this morning. James says, be patient. He just comes out and just flat out just tells you what to do. I like James. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, mince words. He's just bottom line. What do we need to do? So here, bottom line, I'll bottom line it for you today. If you're here and you're like, what is God saying to me today? Let me tell you, God's telling you to be patient. Be patient. Look at your neighbor and say, be patient. God's not finished with me yet. Have some patience with me. Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. James is going to give us three examples of people who are patient. The first is a farmer. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers. So now he takes this, this really bad word, patience, and he adds to it another bad word, suffering. Great. Love where this is going. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Talking about the Old Testament prophets who were messengers of God. He says, look at them as an example. He said, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Then he says, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Great bring up Job as an example. Great. 
And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Verse 12, but above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Patience. Say that word with me today. Patience. I looked it up in the dictionary because I certainly don't know what that word means. I needed all the help I could get. Patience, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, problems, or suffering without getting angry, upset, annoyed, or anxious. I'm going to read that again for you. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, problems, or suffering without getting angry, upset, annoyed, or anxious. Now, just so I know who I'm talking to today, I'm going to poll the, the church body today. If you would say that you are like my wife, Heather, who is the most patient human being on planet Earth, our, we are still married today by the grace of God and the fact that Heather is so patient. If she was not patient, we would not have a functioning marriage. She is incredibly patient. If you're in that category, raise your hand. Say, yeah, you know what? I think I'm a pretty patient person. There's nothing, I'm, I'm, this isn't a trick. This is not a trick. Okay, there's a, hand, a handful of hands that went up today. A few people who would say, yeah, I think I'm a pretty patient person. I can accept or tolerate when things don't go well, when there's delay, trouble, or suffering. I don't get angry or upset. I go with the flow. Maybe that's an easier way to put it. You, you just go with the flow. If you say, that's me, I kind of go with less people. Okay. If you would say that you're in, an, in kind of the other extreme, if the pendulum shifted from patient to not patient, impatient. How many of you would say, I, you can't even wait to raise your hand. <laughs> if you say, that's me, why don't you raise your hand? Okay, some, some more people who are impatient than patient. And then the rest of you, you're just kind of in the middle. It just kind of depends on what the circumstances or whatever, okay. So, you know, I began to ponder this question, you know, why is it so hard to be patient? Why is it so hard to wait? Why, are, why am I and the majority of the people in here, why are we so impatient? So as I was thinking through this, you know, I thought, well, maybe it's the times in which we live, right? The, our modern day with all the conveniences and, and, you know, everything is instant, instant gratification, instant access to information, you know, high-speed broadband, HD, right now, right now, right now. Maybe it's that. You know, when we went to uh, Israel, we visited this place called the Nazareth Village. And this was kind of like a very elaborate theme park where everybody in the park was playing a part 
like it was in the time of Jesus. And so it, it was very well done, very believable. They had, you know, costumes and they had like real shepherds there taking care of real sheep, real like people cutting stone by hand. It was inc this incredible experience. And they had this very, I shouldn't say that. They had this um, elderly lady there who, who, she was weaving together um, a garment. And she was taking the wool from the sheep, like rubbing it together in her fingers after it had you know, been taken off the sheep. She had this pile of wool. And she like rubbed it together in her fingers into yarn. And then she took that yarn and like put it in this loom where she was stitching it together into a tight fabric. And we were sitting there watching her do that. And I honestly, I, I was getting impatient just watching her. I'm like, can we, uh, yeah, we get it. Like, she's like doing this. Can we just move on to the, you know, the next station, you know? And, and so then they pull out this piece of, of fabric that was like 12 inches by 12 inches. And they said it took her a whole day to make this. And so, you know, I start thinking, like, what does it take to, like, make a shirt or, like, a garment? You know, like, the garments they wore, a wool garment. They're like, yeah, it'd be about a week of this lady working eight hours a day. And it just kind of blew my mind. You know, if I want a wool garment, I go down to Walmart, and it's, you know, $4.99 with the smiley face, you know? It's like instant access to everything and and to think that someone would spend a whole week of their life just so they could walk around with a shirt on working with their hands it kind of blew my mind the the patience that that people used to have to have to just live life and so maybe it's some of that that modern convenience you know i thought maybe it had to do with you know our western culture where we are you know maybe you know Eastern and Far Eastern cultures you know, aren't as impatient and go, 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 go. But then I thought, you know what? I'm looking for reasons out there for my problems in here. And, and so I, I, I realized that, that I'm, I'm looking, what we call those are excuses. You know, reasons out there for problems in here, we, we, those are excuses. And so what I was really looking for as I was pondering this question is not a real answer, but just an answer that would make me feel good about my own impatience. I know none of you ever do that. All of you are way more honest with yourselves than I am with myself. But anyway, I found myself looking for reasons to excuse a behavior that the Bible says I should not have. I know none of you ever do that. The Bible says this, and you never make excuses for why you might look a little different. That's just the problem the pastor has. So God bless you. So here I am realizing now that, wait a second, James is writing, and he's writing in the first century. He's writing to people who aren't modern day people. 
He's writing to people who don't live in my Western culture or share this culture that we have. Yet, in his day, patience was an issue because he's talking to his people, his church people, about being impatient. So there's something inherently broken inside of us, our fallen nature, our sinful nature, that causes us to be impatient. And so the, the answer is not blaming it on culture or problems. The answer is ultimately letting the Lord do a work in our heart and in our lives, bringing healing there. So patience. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he lists what we call the fruit of the Spirit. He lists nine things that as someone walks with the Lord, is filled with the, the Spirit of God, as someone who spends time with Jesus over the course of their life, he lists nine characteristics that should begin to become evident in the lives of God's people. One of those things is patience. Did you know that? That God's people should be patient. Now we're all real convicted because we all raised our hand and said, I'm not patient. <laughs> you know, I, I want to remind you of the premise of this letter that James is writing. He's writing, and his idea is that, that Christians, that we should reflect, that, that we should be a, a picture to the world of the God that we serve. Amen. That's what we call shining our light, you know, we're the light of the world. But it's, it's showing the world a picture of the God that we serve. And so the question then is, is God patient? <coughs> Are you breathing today? Yes, God is patient. If God was not patient, you would be dead. Amen. Period. God is patient. Yes, God is so, 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 so patient. Uh, Peter says, 2 Peter, he says, God is so patient that a thousand years is like one day to him. And God is so patient, he's, he's giving people opportunities to be saved. You say, why doesn't God just strike down so-and-so? They're so evil and wicked. God's patient. You should look in the mirror if you ever think that question. God is patient. He's wanting everybody to have an opportunity to hear the gospel message, to come to him. Yes, God is patient. Has God been patient with you? Yeah. Yes. So God is patient. That means that patience is godly. You're like, I don't believe this. This is not true. Patience is godly. If God is patient, then patience is Righteous patience is godly. So if patience is godly, what does that make impatience? Ungodly. And what do we call stuff that is ungodly? It starts with an S. Sin. Sin. Now I have to be honest with you. I'll... I'll I will be the first to confess. This, studying this this week really 
kind of rocked my worldview, my paradigm. I maybe you will say duh when I say this, and Pastor, I can't believe that you were so blinded to this truth. But I have never considered in my life that impatience is a sin. Did you have you tracked with me through all the steps that I took you through to get to this place? God is patient. Patience is godly. Impatience is ungodly. Impatience is sin. And in fact, if, if you, you, I mean, the Bible just tells us four times in these six verses, be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient. And so when I lose my patience with someone, I'm not, I'm not showing the character and nature of God, and I'm violating the commands of Scripture. And what do we call that in life? We call that sin. Right? That's called sin. Now, how many of you would just be honest and say, you know what, I've never thought of impatience as sin. I've, I've never thought about that. I've never, for some reason, I mean, I've read this book you know, many times, I've, I know what's in here. But as I got to this today, I was like, oh my goodness. My impatience is sin. And I've been so blinded to it. In fact, I, I kind of, and I think in our culture, we don't value patience. We value impatience. Impatience is a virtue in, in our culture. We like people who can get things done, right? My way or the highway, people that can shake things up, move things forward. If that means that there's a pile of bodies behind the bus, so be it. You know, that's my way or the highway, get on or get off. This is like, don't we value that in our culture? You know, business leaders that can can take their vision and execute on it. And so I, this week I've found myself like struggling because I, I've held a value that is ungodly, that's unbiblical, and I, it's like I hadn't even seen it. It's like God took the blinders off of me this week as I've been trying to get into this and see like, okay, he's telling us to be patient, but... What does he really mean by that? Certainly he can't mean that I need to be patient because that would mean I'd have to change a lot of things in my life and the way I think and the way I act and the attitudes that I have towards others. Certainly it can't mean that. And here it seems as though that's exactly what it means. That we're to be patient, long-suffering, not to lose our patience with people that, that, patient, that impatience is a sin. What we, do, what we do is we categorize sin. We break it into categories. We all do this. We've, you know, there's horrible sins, you know, murder, right? That's really bad. If you do that, man, you're, you're kind of a, a horrible person. And then there's like those mid-level things, right? Well, lying, cheating, coveting, gossip, you know, whatever. I mean, they're bad, right? But, and they're sin. God help me. You know, I don't want to do that. But, you know, I, I didn't kill anybody. I mean, you, you've said those words. 
what's, what's the big deal? I didn't kill anybody, right? So there's that mid-level, and then there's that stuff, the bottom level, that we don't even like to acknowledge as sin. It's just, well, it's just the way I am, you know? It's just my personality. You know, it's my Irish temper, and you're not Irish, right? You know? It's, it's you know... You know, we just like to, to just dismiss it. And I think impatience is that kind of that third level in our brains. But to God, you know what it all is? Sin. To a righteous and holy God who is 100% pure, 100% morally perfect all the time, sin is sin. And we who are fallen, who, who can't even fathom a what a holy and righteous God really is. We break things into these categories and we, we kind of don't deal with those, those third level categories a lot. And I felt God this week in my own heart kind of slapping me across the, the forehead like, come on, you know, because I've, I've, I've honestly, honestly, bought into this lie of, of valuing um, other things above patience that are out of line, out of step with what God's Word's telling us to, to do. And I think we, we experience that in our own culture. And so this is an example, I would say, of where, you know, God's Word and our culture, they, they're not in alignment, they're not in agreement. And there's other places that we can see that more readily, right? But here's another where we shouldn't ignore it because um, the Bible tells us, the scripture says, it, it puts it this way, it says, the small foxes spoil the, the harvest, or the, the small foxes are the ones that destroy the, the harvest field. And what that is saying is that it's easy to knock out the, the, the big ones, but it's the little ones that get in there that can, that can destroy things from the inside out. And we tend to think, well, I'm not killing anybody, well, I'm not committing adultery, you know, all these big, I'm not doing those things. But yet there's a harvest of life and righteousness and the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to produce in your life. And when it, for it to really be accomplished at the level that God wants to accomplish it in your life, you gotta deal with the small stuff. Jesus said, whoever is faithful in the small things, God will entrust them with large things. We got we to gotta be willing to get, a, get our hands dirty, allow the Holy Spirit to go in and to convict us. And to, where we see things not line up, we need to be willing to lay it aside. So these three examples that he gives us, the first is the farmer. I love how he starts off. He says, be patient. And I, when I read that, I was like, okay, well, how long do I have to be patient? <laughs> Verse 7, be patient. He says, you have to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Oh, man, that's like, that's like my whole life. Oh, oh my goodness. It's like, I can't, I don't ever, I, can't, I have to always be patient all the time. Oh, wow. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. 
He says, look at the farmer who waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. You know, a farmer, he plants the seed, he plows the soil, he plants the seed, he, he waters it, and then he waits. And then he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits. It's out of his hands. He puts it in God's hand. He plants the seed. The Bible tells us that the word of God is like a seed, that our hearts are like the soil. And so we need to allow God's word, like I'm bringing to you today, we need to allow those seeds to go down. We need to not harden our hearts so that when I share God's word with you, it just bounces off your hard heart, right? We need to let our hearts be open to the Holy Spirit, let his word go down deep. We need to nourish that, and then it will produce a fruit in our lives. The farmer waits, and the farmer waits and waits and waits. And it tells us why he's willing to be so patient it says the fruit is precious. That what God wants to do in your life, if you will open your heart and allow his word to go in and to nurture that, what God wants to do in your life is precious. It's valuable. It's worth something. It's worth the process of going through. It's worth the, the labor and the toil that the farmer has to go through. The harvest is worth waiting for. The harvest is worth waiting for. The harvest is worth working for. And here, the harvest he's talking about is this return of Christ. That when Christ comes, he's going to make everything right. Every wrong is going to be righted. Is that, a, is that right to say that? Probably not. But he's going to right every wrong when he returns. But until that time, there will be pain, there will be difficulty. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But to take heart, because he has overcome the world. But we're, we have to be patient until he returns. We're, we're not going to experience the, the fullness of the kingdom of God until Jesus returns. And so what he's saying is, don't become impatient as you wait for that day. Don't become impatient. Don't say, man, when's Jesus coming back? I thought he'd be back by now. I thought he was coming back in the year 2000, and here we are, 2018. Where are you at? Don't become impatient in that, because there is a harvest to be reaped for those who persevere to the end. It's a harvest of eternal life. Here, Scripture commands us to be patient. He says to also let our hearts be established. We establish our hearts in this foundational truth that, hey, one day Jesus is returning. Hello? Do you believe that? Amen. One day Christ is coming back to this earth, and he will wipe every tear from our eye. At that moment, there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more death. There will be no more cancer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and reflecting on that truth, it establishes it in our hearts. How do we establish our hearts? Well, we come to Sunday service. We sing songs that reinforce these ideas in our lives. We hear the word. We study the word. We get together in Christian community, people who believe the same things we do. They can encourage us. It establishes something in our hearts so that we know we're living for that day. He goes on to say, don't grumble against one another. I could preach a whole message about that. 
You know I could. I could do a whole series about that. Don't grumble against each other. Don't lose your patience. And, oh, well, so-and-so, they're always just this way. And I'm going to that. How come you never? And uh, you always. And here, here, James is calling that out as sin that needs to be repented of, needs to be taken to the foot of the cross, needs to have the blood of Jesus washed over. And then we walk up righteous and cleansed, and then we don't pick it back up. Right? We leave it there. And we move on. Righteous and set free. Hallelujah. He goes on to, to give us the second example of these prophets. The prophets were messengers of God who, who took God's word to God's people who were not living for him. God's people in the Old Testament, they struggled with idolatry. They would worship idols. And the prophets, God would send them with this message that says, you need to turn from your idolatry. You need to turn from your sin. And you need to turn back to worshiping Yahweh, the true and the living God. And that people didn't want to hear what the prophets had to say. And so the prophets were persecuted. They were martyred. They suffered incredibly because of people not wanting to hear the message. So what did they try to do? They tried to shut up the messenger. And so why does James bring that up to us? Because James also assumes that as Christians, we have a message. That just like the prophets had a message to proclaim in their generation of repent and turn to God, Christians have the same message. And that as we as Christians proclaim that message in our time, in our generation, just as they tried to shut the prophets up, they might try to shut you up as well. But yet he says there is a blessing for those who will remain steadfast. There is a blessing for those who, who will persevere in light of the persecution, who will not be ashamed of the gospel. And the, the third example he gives us is of Job. And I'll be honest, I, don't want my, I do not want my life in any way whatsoever to ever be compared to this man, Job. I don't want him to be an example to me of anything except the end of his life. I'll take that, double portion blessing. Yeah, I want that. You know, Job, he, had, he was very blessed by God, very wealthy, had a lot of kids, very prosperous, businessman, everything was booming. And in one day, he lost it all. Lost his finances, all of it. Lost his finances, lost his business, lost his family. They were all killed except for his wife. Soon after that, he lost his health. His health failed him. His wife, God bless her, comes to him. She says, why don't you just curse God and die? Why are you holding on to your faith? Look at what God has allowed to happen in your life. Job said, the Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, even, though the, even if the Lord may slay me, still I will praise him. Job remained patient. Job remained steadfast. Job had a, Job had a group of friends. And how many of you know that in difficult times, it, it's helpful to have some friends who can come and encourage you, who can come and build you up, who can come and say, hey, you're going to make it. 
Well, it is a good thing to have those things. Job didn't. Job had three knucklehead friends that showed up and said, you know, we had a prayer service, brother, and God spoke to us, and he showed us that the reason you're suffering is because you have secret sin in your life. What did you do, Job? Job's like, I didn't do anything. I was just serving the Lord. I was worshiping him and all. No, you didn't, Job. You've got secret sin in your life. If you will repent of your secret sin, God will forgive you and bless you again. Job says, I don't have, I don't have any sin. I'm, I'm maintaining my innocence. At the end, Job was vindicated. At the end, we see that God had a purpose in all of that that Job didn't see and that Job never saw. What this shows us is that God can have purposes in, in our lives that we don't see or understand. How many can say amen to that? Amen. But, it, but when we do experience hardship or trial and suffering, we can remain patient and we can keep our faith knowing that God has a plan, knowing that God has a purpose. We ultimately see this come to fruition in Christ, the perfect man, the innocent man, who suffered for all mankind. And if God can have a purpose for the suffering of Christ, can he have a purpose for the sufferings we have on this earth? Absolutely, absolutely he does. And so the, the, the encouragement to us is to remain patient, to remain steadfast in the light of every circumstance, to not lose our patience, to not lose our temper, to not blow our stack or our emotions when things don't go the way we want, but that in every circumstance that we would reflect the nature and the character of God, who is always patience. Now he concludes with verse 12. He says, above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Here, uh, James is quoting from the, actually the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 37. Jesus says the exact same thing. And what this is saying is that we serve a God who always keeps his word. Always. God's promises in here, they always come to pass. Always. God always keeps his word. As we examine scripture page and page out, we see that we serve a faithful God who is faithful to his people and he's faithful to his word. And James is saying that we as Christians should be those kinds of people who model the nature and character of God by also being people who are faithful to their word. When we say we're going to do something, we should do it. Right? Christians should be known as the most reliable people on the face of the earth. Where you work, you should be Mr. Reliable, Mrs. Reliable. When you, you've committed to work there, right? So you should be there because you said, yes, I want this job. So that means you're there on time. That means you're there early. That means you stay late. You are there. You are there. Christians should be known as the most reliable people 
on the face of the earth. That should be our reputation. Would you say that Christians have that reputation today? No, probably not. And that's a shame. Did you know when you're late, you're a poor witness for Christ? Did you know that? Just to throw that really heavy on you right here at the end. We, our God is never late. He's always on time. If I'm going to model on his, his nature and character, I should always be on time. Well, you know, there's this five-minute grace period, and everyone kind of shows up, and we're just getting coffee, and, uh, man, I hope God doesn't have a five-minute grace period when I call out to him, right? When you call out to God to save you, isn't like, well, you know, there's kind of this little, little wiggle room here. Maybe I'll save him tomorrow. I'm kind of tired. God always keeps his word. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Just as God's reputation as someone who keeps his word, that should be the same reputation of his people. When I commit to something, I should go the extra mile. I should do whatever it takes to make sure that I keep that commitment. If it's possible for me to keep it, I should keep it because I'm a Christian. Because that's who God is. When I commit to something, I shouldn't have to go the extra mile and say, I promise I'll be there. I swear I'll be there. I'll, I, you know, I double dog, swear on the Bible, blah, 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 I'll be there. If you're the kind of person that has to do that, this should be convicting for you. Your yes should stand alone. Will you be here for this? Yes. End of story. That should be the end of it. Well, but it's actually at this time. Can you, are you sure you can? Yeah, I said I'll be there. But, you know, I know you weren't there the last seven times I asked you to be there. <laughs> let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And if, it, if something changes, right? We live in a world of constant variation and variables. Things change. Things happen. Communicate. Right? Call somebody. Hey, I know I said I'd be there, but something came up. No problem. Thank you for communicating. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. This is an integrity issue. This is a character issue. This is a heart issue. Christians who are untrustworthy, unfaithful, unreliable are horrible witnesses for Christ, who is trustworthy, faithful, and reliable. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, that instructs us, that helps us to be the people you've called us to be. Lord, I believe that every single one of us in here has a divine purpose for, from you. Lord, that you want us to be shining in, 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 as lights in this dark world. And so, Lord, one of the ways that we can shine for you is by being patient with others. Lord, in a world that values impatience, in a world that... Um, is so impatient with others. Lord, as we begin to, sh to demonstrate your love for people by being patient, I believe that we will shine a light for you, that we will be good witnesses for you, that we will draw attention to our great God and Savior. That's our heart and our hope. Lord, as we endeavor to be people of our word, as you are a God who keeps your word, as we endeavor to be people who let our yes be yes and our no be no, Lord, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, for, for the, the, the brokenness in our lives because of sin, 
Lord, thank you that your power and your blood is so much stronger, is so much greater. Lord, that you can take us and mold us and shape us to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, maybe we have been dishonest in the past, but that's not who you've called us to be today or into the future. Help us, Lord, to live our lives as you've called us to live it. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which empowers us to live not in our own might and strength, but in your might and strength today. We thank you for it. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.